0: Welcome back to 1A, a podcast from First Presbyterian Church of Columbia, South Carolina. 1A is a podcast designed to take a brief but in-depth look at counseling issues from a pastoral perspective. Reverend Squires is the pastor of counseling here at First Presbyterian Church. This is the second episode on our series on sexuality and sexual temptation. And today, Reverend Squires and I pick up where we left off last time as we finish discussing our cultural perspective on sexuality and particularly what is most harmful about our current cultural conception of sexuality. If you have any comments about our show or a question about something you hear on this episode, please don't hesitate to contact us. You can find all of our contact info on our website at firstpresscolumbia.org. If you would like to stay updated on when a new episode is released, download our app. You can do so by searching for First Presbyterian Church of Columbia SC in the App Store of your choice. We hope this ministry is a blessing to you and those around you. Let's get to the conversation. So it would be appropriate now, Josh, to turn our attention to the idea of, we've talked about the positive aspects of where our culture views sexuality. What's particularly most harmful as we begin to think about this question of our sexuality from a counseling perspective when you're seeing people in the counseling suite here at our church? Yeah. So I think and it's
1: what we've already kind of hinted around a little bit even already, which is that sexuality is an individualistic consumer experience sure, and behavior. And what that means is, is that young boys and increasingly young girls are yes. able to— in- imbibe in pornography usage and explore their sexuality for their own purposes so that I might be pleased and find it pleasurable Hmm. rather than sex is something to be stewarded for another person. Hmm. So if I think of myself as a sexual steward, I am to steward my sexuality as uh, an individual for my one-day covenant partner. Hmm. And I am to shepherd other people's sexuality for their one-day covenant partner. Yes. It is a drastically different way of relating to self and world than I've got this urge Hmm. I deserve because I am a person with value to express this urge and to have that urge and appetite met. Hmm. And so I think the number one thing is for people to challenge the idea that sex is both Mm self-focused and that it is to uh, be—it's consumerist. It is to uh, be shaped to whatever I desire. It it not only has a detrimental effect for individuals, it ends up having a terrible detrimental effect on people in their marriages, where people only care about sex and sexual expression to the degree that it fulfills me. Mm. So this act is meant to be an act that mutually serves one another, yes. and therefore knits our hearts to each other, and ultimately to the Lord, as it is mm. uh, a sort of paradigm of what intimacy is. And let me just say, some some will know that I'm doing my dissertation work on intimacy. It is a notoriously difficult word to define. But at its most basic, it is being known and received, hmm. right? And so it is a paradigm of what it, it means to be known in a way that no other person should ever know me, and to be received, not rejected, mm. in that moment, and therefore create very tight bond pairs together. It's also, post-sex is when men tend to be their most relationally, emotionally effective, hmm. right? Not... Effective is an effect, but affective, emotional With an a, yeah, yeah. Um, and there's a reason there's a neurobiological reason for that. maybe we'll get into that later. but there's a reason for that. The whole thing is designed by the Lord to knit these two hearts together. And the moment instead you say, "This sex act is about me." Hmm. I need to get my sexual release in the midst of this. I need to be pleasured in a particular way regardless of if you're okay with it or not or I need you to do whatever. It it has a detrimental effect because it's now no longer about being known and received, being personally known and received and knowing and receiving another. Instead, it's like it's about me getting my personal selfish needs met. It's no longer an act of intimacy. It's just an act of appetite fulfillment. So Mm. I think that's probably of everything in the culture right now. And we could talk about expression, and we could talk about gender, and we could talk about everything. It's the philosophy that is sex as a selfish consumerist model that I think is most detrimental.
0: Yeah, and there's even a movement, uh, the narrative around sex. I mean, I remember reading on my Apple News app that would send them to me daily, some of the ones that came from places like the Atlantic, I, I just looked up one of them of sex lies in separating science from ideology. Like our culture tries to totally deny that there's any sort of transcendent meaning behind this reality of sex as well. But if what I hear you're saying, if, if I hear what you're saying correctly, uh, from a biblical perspective, there's actually no way that you can conceptualize sex apart from your understanding as an image bearer that's correct meant to be in covenant with other image bearers who express that intimacy within that covenant right and it's it's something that totally challenges the cultural moment that we're in that's right
1: i mean the right now the the current culture has what they you know a, a hookup culture i i, I think that even that is probably a few years old, to to use it in that language. But sure. the idea is, is that there is the ability to have sex with someone to whom you're attracted and they're attracted to you because you're hungry. You're sexually hungry. And so you can go into this relationship, and as long as you're both consenting and, according to a culture, hopefully using protection and keeping everybody safe— it's completely fine and not only is it fine it is good it is right you are supposed to do those things and instead what we have found and and not only biblically which is of course going to be my authority where I go first but even if for whatever reason you're listening to this podcast and you're not entirely convinced that the bible's the authority in your life sure we've got tons of evidence both neurobiological and anecdotal counseling that once you enter into these relationships, there's no way to just have sex and it not create a bond. Hmm. And what you end up doing is, is you end up dulling the bonding part of your brain, yes. and we would say as image bearers, the bonding portion of your soul, Yes. when you engage in these relationships and treat them as haphazard, yeah. treat them as something that you can just walk in and out of without mm. any particular effect, a long-term effect. It's just not true. We have never found any evidence that that could be true. Oh, man.
0: Now, that's not to say that there's not. this is not a difficult issue still. Knowing all the realities, yeah. knowing the power that's behind this aspect of our identity as human beings, yeah. I shouldn't say identity, but this, this power behind our persons as yeah. human beings, that there's not real difficulty that comes with this. But again, I'm reminded, I think, of what Sam hmm. he's an Anglican minister—Anglican?
1: Yep. Anglican, I believe, Yeah, and same-sex
0: attracted. I've heard him talk about his cost of discipleship in terms of same-sex attraction before, and how people will look at his cost of discipleship in our current cultural moment, and there's, they almost have this sense of compassion and pity they look on him with and saying, oh, you must have such a steep cost of discipleship. Yeah. But one of the most powerful things I've ever heard from him is... We cannot look at this singular aspect of our humanity and treat it as if it's the sole aspect of our cost of discipleship, because Jesus requires everything of us. Yeah. And he requires no less of, of Sam Albury, who's same-sex attracted in a cultural moment like ours, than he does heterosexually attracted men and women yep. who are image bearers of our good King in heaven. Right and who must learn to submit all of our desires all of our all of our thinking our feeling our doing yeah. to the lordship of our savior. And so it's a cost that he helpfully connects that is the cost of discipleship, but it's also one that our savior himself has 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 borne in terms of the cost of discipleship. Right. And so I th- I think I'm excited to to hear about where we're going to go in this series Josh and it's it's a sober moment that we look at culturally when we talk about this aspect. But I think for the sake of time and also where we're where we're going to go next, why don't you just give us an overview of what we're going to talk about in the upcoming series? Uh, or, or I can do that too.
1: No, I, I can I can talk about it. the one thing that I would want to say before we go much further is that there might be someone listening who has a sexual background. Sure. That is more promiscuous? Yes. Or where someone is struggling with or has struggled with pornography addiction, where it has had a hold over their life? Sure. And what I want to tell that person is the grace of Jesus is significant and sufficient Hmm. for even that. Amen, brother. That that you don't have to be... we're aiming for what is sex and how is it meant to be expressed biblically, hmm. how is it meant to be stewarded, but I don't want someone to come away from these podcasts and think that's it, I'm hopelessly broken.
0: Hmm.
1: Amen. You find someone like Rahab in the genealogy of Jesus. Amen. That's good news, man. How oh. beautiful is hmm. that? Yeah. A non-Israelite prostitute. Yeah. Yeah was redeemed and in the lineage of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. So I, I want us, as we think about sex and sexuality, it can be, uh, on the one hand, it can cause this sort of shame, guilt, blushing sort of reflex just because of the nature, the sensitivity of the topic. Absolutely. On the other hand, it can create this sort of guilt because people know their own sexual baggage and the difficulties they've had with sex and sexuality. Absolutely. I don't know anyone who's approached sex and like, no, I've got that licked. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, no, yeah. I'm completely righteous in that area. Everything is fantastic. I've got, an, a, my appetite is good. The way I think about it, I've never yeah. lusted or thought about anyone else. I've never, <laughs> you know, I just don't know anyone like that. And so I just want to say, look, come to Jesus, and Jesus will give you rest, and he loves you And he has died for every sin you have committed and every sin you will commit. And so this is to help edify us, Hmm. help build us up. Don't allow Satan to get in between our words Hmm. and to cause you to shut down and think, that's it, there's something wrong. And therefore you go and imbibe sexual sin even more because it becomes your place to go and to self-medicate. Amen, brother. It's, It's the grace of Jesus that you need, not any more sexual expression.
0: Yeah, that's that's probably the best trigger warning we could give to be honest. <laughs> right. <laughs> to to let you know that that just because this is an area of temptation or past experience past brokenness the Lord is our Lord is the one who redeems uh, us where we are at and we are not beyond God's grace. Yeah. Okay, so why don't you tell us
1: where we're going on okay, the next so...
0: Yeah, let's do that. So when we've talked a little bit about our cultural perspective right. on sexuality. Next episode, we're actually going to look at how does Scripture particularly speak to our sexuality, yep. and then... We'll also look at how to actually to battle areas of sexual temptation. Mm-hmm. That's that's the nuts and bolts of how do we get down into the the act of submitting our sexuality to the lordship of Jesus, and then in our one of our last episodes, we're going to look at how do we actually fight sexual temptation within a biblical framework of our sexuality in the different seasons of our sexuality because it's something that changes as we go from the stages of singleness to married to even aged. And in the context in the body of Christ, that's the trajectory we're going to trace Yeah, because if we believe that God has given us everything we need to conform us to the image of His Son, we have to rest that within the context of of His people.
1: Right. And keep in mind that every time we try and map out four episodes, we end up with... (laughs) nine and so it's it's a very general trajectory yes uh we'll, we'll see where it takes us well josh thank you so much for being a part of this this is a like I said, a sensitive topic it takes a certain ability to walk into something like this and not turn red and giggle like a seventh grader
0: i, um, I think i told you if i made it through this whole series without giggling like a six-year-old that would, would be, be doing well yeah <laughs> you've done you've done well so far
1: you've done well so far so thanks for being with me brother Well, the lord be praised thank you brother All right. Well, and then we will look forward to next episode. Hope you'll join us then.